Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The Colts, the New England Patriots, no offensive coordinator. Frank Reich doesn't seem worried. He's just going to do it all. No Naheem Hines. He's with Buffalo. Zach Moss, welcome to Indianapolis. Hope you're having a good time. If you need any restaurant recommendations, just ask. We will help you out. Tony Katz, good to be with you. What are the Colts' chances? Sam Ellinger, second week as a starter, going into Gillette Stadium, which is uh, not necessarily a place uh, Hoosiers find home. JMV joins us right now, 93.5, The Fan. There's a lot going on in the world. We will get to some of it sports-related in just a moment, JMV. Uh, but this this game right here uh, is going to, it would seem to me, just like we saw last week, we should be people who pound the rock. We should be people who run the damn ball, as you see the hats and the T-shirts and everything else. But we haven't had the offensive line to do it. What changes have been made with the changes that have been made to the Colts to get ready for this game against New England? Well, I tell you what, Tony, it's not going to prove out with these changes probably to be something, in your opinion, that could be more productive. And here's why. Because Jonathan Taylor yesterday missed a second day of practice. So to me, logically speaking, I'm sure we'll find out something a little bit more concrete today that he probably won't play on Sunday. That's my guess. So now enter Deion Jackson and Philip Lindsay, like we saw on that Thursday night game in Denver. And then on the left side of that offensive line, that beleaguered offensive line, Dennis Kelly hadn't practiced yet this week. So we may end up seeing the rookie Bernard Ryman, who has struggled when he has been in there as a starter or just been in there in general on the left side of that line. So I don't know how much we're going to lean on a more productive run game offensively on Sunday because of those first two things to start with. Talk to me about Zach Moss, who we got in the trade for Naheem Hines. Uh, We get Zach Moss. We get a six-round conditional pick. Talk to me about him, about his uh, strengths, and whether or not we see him in this game. Well, here's a guy that was utilized early in the Buffalo season. I was actually on a show in Buffalo a couple of days ago, and they had about how you know he was a guy along with Singletary there they were kind of splitting things up and then uh, he coughed the ball up in the first week of the season did some things but all of a sudden started to fall a little bit out of favor and that's kind of the situation Tony they have in Buffalo they have a number of weapons that's why it's going to be interesting to see and I think you will but it's going to be interesting to see how Naheem Hines fits in there because they already have a number of dudes to go to and you add another dude to that and, and then you also qualify it Tony by Josh Allen. Josh Allen is an elite-level quarterback. Josh Allen likes to work certainly out of the RPO, and oftentimes you see him keep the ball and run with it, too. So I don't know initially how, about the volume of opportunity Naheem is going to get up there, but there's certainly the potential to add to an already great offense. Should be interesting enough to watch. Is Zach Moss here uh, probably not a great deal. They'll probably try to utilize him a little bit coming up on Sunday. But for the most part, I'm guessing you're going to see a great deal of Deion Jackson and Philip Lindsay if Jonathan Taylor is unavailable. I would assume that we would see a great deal of Mo Ali Cox and that tight end setup that we have, which we have not seen much of for the past uh, a couple of games. Where have they been and how necessary are they to a clicking offense? Um, not well. they are. I'm sorry. They are necessary for clicking offense, but not existent is exactly what you're talking about here. 
Uh, they had one game where, you know, we, we saw them all, or really all three of them, from, from the rookie, the second-year guy, to the more veteran, and Mo Alley Cox. And they just haven't been the same. I don't know if that's just the discombobulation for the most part of the offense when Matt Ryan was failing before he ended up being benched, or it's just the new and fresh feeling you're getting there with um, with Sam Ellinger. I don't know why they haven't been utilized. I, I do know this. Uh, they're not as, as talented. Certainly Mo Alley Cox is a good tight end but it's not as talented as they need a tight end to be. And it's it's one thing that I think, Tony, you see with this offensive line that we've talked about at nauseum uh, in the mornings and in the afternoons with their shortcomings is Jack Doyle, although not a huge producer through the air, he was a fantastic blocker. And I think you have seen failings in the blocking game on the offensive line. And you can directly – you can directly point that to the fact that Jack Doyle retired and they have not found an adequate replacement for him in any of those three to this point tight ends. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan, the Colts, the Patriots. Uh, this weekend, talk to me about what the Patriots have in, in your view. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff uh, that the Colts have to be concerned with. Well, they struggle offensively. There's no doubt about it. And it seems like that Bill Belichick is – is he got Mac Jones as their guy, and it appears to be the guy. And he had a great rookie season up until he got injured a year ago. But Bailey Zappi's been a guy that Bill Belichick has not been afraid to put in there. So I wouldn't call it a quarterback controversy, but it's not completely set in stone there. There's not complete trust in year two from Mac Jones. So this is an offense that's that's not great. And in fact, Tony, the Colts will face two offenses coming up Sunday and then in Las Vegas the week after that have not been good whatsoever. Can they take advantage? We'll see. Will the defense play better? I would expect them to be able to do that, Tony, but the fact is the way that we saw them go out against Washington in that final drive doesn't leave us with a great deal of confidence. And here's something major to watch on Sunday. Matthew Judon, along that defensive line of the Patriots, has eight and a half sacks this season. He works around the edges. He has been fantastic so far, and I would expect him, if you have the rookie on the left side of that line, and really even Braden Smith, who's been largely ineffective this season, I would look for him to have a fantastic day. That's what you have to watch if you're a Colts fan from the Patriots defensively is Matthew, Matthew Judon. He has been fantastic so far and is probably licking his chops to get a shot at this offensive line coming up on Sunday, Tony. Before we move on, call this game for me. What's the final score? Um, I go 24-20 Patriots. That seems like an offensive explosion. I just I, I can't buy the Colts in closing a game. I'm really barely buying them scoring more than 16 or 17 points, but I can't buy them closing a game in a spot going back to 2006 where – you have some of the elite-level quarterbacks who are unable to do it. So I just can't see it happening. They lose on the road in New England Sunday. Let's move it over to the NBA and this Kyrie Irving story, now suspended indefinitely from the Brooklyn Nets, sharing this film, the anti-Semitic messages, uh, trying to get him to apologize. He puts out a half apology. He's making donations to the Anti-Defamation League. Then he does the press conference yesterday. I, I, you can't call me anti-Semitic. Uh, the 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 Nets clearly trying to protect business interests, the NBA as well, but the NBA yeah. has been remarkably silent on a guy uh, stating things like the Holocaust didn't happen when if it was any other subject, they would be all over it. Exactly how much of a mess has Kyrie Irving created for the NBA? And maybe it's asked better, exactly how much of a mess is the NBA in dealing with problems that come its way? 
Well, I mean, it, it, um, it's not like that, that most of the time, Tony, they take it head on, do they now? I mean, they, they kind of wait to read the room and then act accordingly. And, and I guess from a, a basketball standpoint as well, which you also ask, he, he has, Kyrie Irving has been or become such a headache where we're going to see, this is going to be a case example, a study, if you will, of a guy that has elite level talent, right, that we're going to see if anybody's going to want because the headache is so large, is so severe, and is so consistent that will anybody want to deal with this dude? So me, that's the case in study. And you're absolutely right about the NBA. I mean, they, they rarely are out in front of things. They are so reactionary. And really, that's across the board in sports in general today when the lines are crossed between, you know, sports and on the floor, on the field, and, you know, moving into the, the political realm, so to speak, and, I um, I can't answer a question as to if the NBA will treat it better, be more out in front of it, but it is going to be interesting to see how many of these teams normally would be absolutely hot after a guy like this that is arguably one of the better players in the NBA, but has he become more of a headache to where all the on-the-floor aspects of this completely are outweighed by what takes place off of it? That is going to be a case study because we don't often see that. My thanks to JMV there, 93.5, The fan, uh, catch him 3 to 6 p.m. O- over there. I um, have spoke about the, the Kyrie Irving situation uh, on, on, the, uh, on the morning show uh, and, uh, you know, discussing it today. Uh, this, this is the NBA. This is the NBA. They don't actually have a standard. They don't actually have a a consistent moral compass. It's it's not me being rude or angry. It's just me noticing the straight-up facts. They don't have a moral compass. And I use the line, if, if, if somebody had in the NBA shared a movie, right, because uh, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets, shares this, this movie uh, uh, um, uh, about how... Uh, black Hebrew Israelites and, and the Holocaust, it doesn't exist, and it's anti-Semitic. And, and first of all, if you're a Holocaust denier, we're done. Have a nice day. I, do you deny oxygen? I, I'm completely, I dismiss you altogether. I can't believe I have run into Holocaust deniers before. It, it's true. It happens. Look, they're flat earthers. There are people uh, who are just, you know, ignorantly stupid and want to be hateful. I, I, I can't control that. I, and, I, and I don't want to. I just don't want them in my life. And so I don't allow them into, into my life. And, and if Kyrie Irving wants to make a claim that the Holocaust never happened, the Holocaust didn't exist or push movies that do, well, then screw him. Screw him. I don't give a damn about Kyrie Irving. Oh, this is who you are. Thanks for telling me goodbye. The point I make is they took days to decide they weren't going to have him on the team, suspend him indefinitely. If he had, or if any player in the NBA had had uh, uh, put out uh, on social media, hey, check out this great movie about the KKK, the suspension would have been immediately, and it would have ju- it would have been a, a full on expulsion from the league. This is my argument about the nonsense of the NBA, and it's what they have to figure out because one has to ask a question: Why do you have these wild swings? Drew Brees, formerly of the New Orleans Saints, all he said was, "I think 
that it's insulting when you take a knee for the national anthem and people are insulted by it. Attacked from every corner, LeBron James saying, you don't understand. And now he's a bigot and he's a racist. It's true freaking breeze. The amount of work that guy has done, the amount of money out of his own pocket to help the people of Louisiana after hurricanes and everything else, tremendous. But that guy's a bigot for saying you shouldn't take a knee for the national anthem. Kyrie, Holocaust doesn't exist, Jews. And there's silence. Daryl Morey, the former general manager of the Houston Rockets, I stand with Hong Kong. There's LeBron. He needs to get educated. They attacked him for standing with the idea that the people of Hong Kong shouldn't be subjugated. Never mind standing with the Uyghur Muslims who are thrown into concentration camps. But if it upsets LeBron making a couple of bucks, you gotta go. But Kyrie talking about Holocaust, I don't know. Holy cow. That's a serious, serious issue for the NBA to have to figure out. And I'm not sure why they haven't. It, it, it goes to, 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 to show, um, so, so we're clear, uh, that Jews won't respond, won't react. They will take punches in the face again and again and again and again, and they'll just move about their day. That's why people make fun of them. You take a look at uh, the Big Bang Theory, for, for example, and the character of Howard Wolowitz, and I've got nothing against Simon Helberg who, who uh, portrayed the character. Could there be any more stereotypical Jewish character on TV? He, he's super smart, but he's nebbishy, and, and he lives with his mom, and, and he, he needs someone to take care of him 24-7. All the stereotypes? The only thing they didn't make him was an accountant. Jews just laughed. They take it again and again and again and again. I got to notice that there are some Jewish owners in the NBA. They all just took it. Here, here's a player. And they were all just super silent. But man, if someone had said something about black players, they would be the first people screaming and yelling, get rid of this guy, Donald Sterling. That was a private conversation that he had recorded. Who cares? Get rid of him. Get rid of that guy. Get rid of the other guy. Get rid of this player. They gone, gone, gone. But, you know, Holocaust doesn't exist. And they're like, I wonder what time we're going to have lunch. I wonder, I wonder, I might, I might have a sandwich. You know what? It's a little chilly. I might have the soup. What if I get soup and a sandwich? Oh, the decisions. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Oh, what did Kyrie say? Maybe tuna. Maybe tuna on rye is what I'll have. And a little bit of tomato soup. Don't you have the grilled cheese with that? Oh, the dairy. You don't want me with the dairy. I'll stick with the tuna. Thank you. But it might be too much tuna, so maybe I'll just save some for later. Oh, I'm sorry. My impression is insulting? Get out of here with that nonsense. Let one of those owners try and take me on. By the way, it's the Brooklyn Nets this is happening. The owner of the Brooklyn Nets won't call out China for what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims. But you're going you're gonna to show your disdain for Kyrie? <sighs> the NBA has so much work to do. And it kills me because I just want to go enjoy a game. I can get good tickets. Oh, it drives me crazy. 
I am curious, uh, being uh, that I am in Indiana, I wonder what Herb Simon thinks. Owner of the Indiana Pacers. That's a conversation I'd love to have. Uh, a conversation I'd love to I want. I wonder what he thinks. I, I don't I don't know. But uh, if I ever get the chance to, to ask him, I will. Don't you worry. I will. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. First, it was Aldi. Now it's Walmart. I'm not talking about Black Friday sales, although they're already up and out. Walmart has theirs out. Best Buy has a bunch of theirs out. Their plan is to sell as early as they can because they have no faith that if they wait, that the that the market's going to be there. The economy continues to have its issues. The inflation has had a real effect on people. I, I've been having this whole vacation conversation. Man, I was looking at flights again. Could I get away this winter? I'm like... I I can afford it, but I can't afford it. This is just nuts. Walmart's plan is to sell some Thanksgiving items at last year prices. Aldi is going to do this as well. How else do you bring people in the store? Hey, if I can get you in for the low-priced pumpkin pie, maybe you'll also buy something else, right? So they're playing it as a, uh, they're calling it the Thanksgiving price rewind. Or is that is that what Aldi's calling it? Yeah, that the the Thanksgiving price rewind promotion. That's what they're that's what they're calling it. It's not it's not a dumb move. I think it's super super smart. Get them in the door with last year's pricing and hopefully get them to buy something else. They're not wrong. I think you're gonna see more and more people going down this kind of road, recognizing what the Democratic Party doesn't that prices are insane right now, and they are. The prices are insane. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. It's clear in the state of Indiana that the Secretary of State's race has gotten a lot of attention. And we should be clear that the position itself is rather important when we're talking about elections. Tony Katz. Good to be with you. Jeff Moore joins us right now, libertarian running for secretary of state. Of course, we put out the invitations to all the secretary of state uh, candidates. Diego Morales, the Republican, was on with us earlier this week. This is the second time uh, that Jeff has chosen to join us. The Democrat, Destiny Wells, has refused to come on uh, the show. And, And Jeff, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we we take a look now at uh, election day, and we're starting to hear whether it be from the president of the United States or or the state of Pennsylvania. Well, it's going to take days before we know uh, the winner. Does that make sense uh, to you? It should take days in today's world to count all the ballots. Tony, good morning. It's good to be with you, and thank you again for having me on. Uh, this is what a worker for you, what your employee should do. They should show up and answer to you. And that's part of why I'm running for this office is because that's how government needs to answer to me. So I'm sorry that the other candidates um, have been less than forthcoming in joining you or any conversation about this office or about the campaign. So you name the time and place and I'll be there. That's my that's my responsibility to you and to all the voters. Now let's talk about what it is that's going on with this idea of counting votes. When we hear that it takes days to count all the votes, Jeff, what do you say to that? That doesn't seem right. And we know from our past experience that we expect, for better or worse, 
we as voters, as Americans, as Hoosiers, have come to expect immediate results election night. We should know at least the outline of the results of each race from each county. And something that takes days allows that dark area, that opacity where rumors, suspicions, conspiracies evolve from. If we don't fix that, we're going to relive the concerns of 2020 all over again every time, and it's going to get worse. We have to do a better job of getting our counts totaled and accurate and faster. And that's why I keep focusing on audits and receipts, because the tallying, the electronic tabulation, can then be done immediately and backed up not by one, but by two sets of paper copies, one of which you keep in your wallet. You have on your website, Mara for Indiana, M-A-U-R-E-R, Mara for Indiana, F-O-R, Mara for Indiana.com, that you had an event, Demand Election Integrity Rally, and you did this in in St. Joseph County. If you were defining it for somebody speaking to the room, how do you define election integrity, and how does your view of it differ from, let's say, that of your opponents, Morales or Wells? Election uh, integrity means doing the right thing no matter who you're talking to and no matter who's looking or not. And we've heard from both of my opponents. Um, my Democrat opponent is on record in a public forum saying she wants to register young college-age voters from New Jersey and California, those two states specifically. And that is interfering with an election. That is selecting your voters to encourage the outcome that you want. That's not integrity. That's bias, and that's interference. What I'm, call, what I'm talking about when I talk about election integrity is doing the right thing. I don't even know who's asking for it. I just want to enforce the same rules fairly and consistently for everyone. And the reason and when you talk about had, fairly for everyone, what, what isn't being implemented fairly right now for everyone? Sure. So uh, as an example, the reason why we had a rally in South Bend is because there have been some very concerning uh, videos footage to come out of that uh, clerk's office and this footage was uh, released it's been a few weeks now but it shows the county clerk of st joseph county who is an elected democrat she is accessing the secure ballot room by herself and by protocol by design by process this is a secure room which which requires bipartisan access so there are two locks with two keys one goes to a democrat one goes to republican the door should only be opened with both parties there that way one can't accuse the other of interfering or with the elections destroying ballots etc and this video shows her entering on her own it shows her leaving on her own and as she leaves she's carrying a visible bag of papers which then you could see her putting into the trash bin now, this is an egregious violation of all the safety protocols, and this is physical security. We're not even talking about cybersecurity or digital security, just common sense things. Tony, if you and I owned a coffee shop together, it would be weird if we let our, cash, uh, our customers behind the counter and start touching our cash register. That would be a weird thing to do. It's a weird thing to let a partisan county clerk or any employee access this one room unescorted. Talking to Jeff Marr, he is the libertarian candidate for Secretary of State in the state of Indiana, Marr, M-A-U-R-E-R, Marr for Indiana.com. And I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. I was pronouncing it Maurer earlier. Producer Allison uh, corrected me, and I greatly uh, do appreciate that. I don't disagree with you on the concept 
But I, I think that when, when people engage in, in this race, we hear kind of the same thing from everybody. We have to have integrity. Every lawful vote, or maybe it's me just saying lawful vote, uh, sh- should count. Are you making the argument, just for a, a level of clarification, that the Democrat, Destiny Wells, or the Republican, Diego Morales, would let people behind the curtain, behind the counters you discussed to get into the till? Well, I don't know their exact policies on that. Uh, you'll have to ask them. And if they don't show, they won't. Um, but in, in my Democrat opponent's case, yes, she was very clear about wanting to have a certain group of people sign up and register to vote. And that is that will sway the election because it is a group of people who are most almost certainly by statistics likely to vote one certain way. And that's her way. Let's now move into the last days of, of this election. You've been traveling uh, the, the the state. Have crowds come out to hear your message? Is it the kind of position in the state of Indiana that people get excited about? Um, is election integrity something that reaches a level of concern for voters in the main? That answer is yes. And it's a sense of relief and excitement and a little, even a little bit of hope when people hear what we're talking about. And another way to define integrity, as you asked earlier, is to define it in terms of transparency. What is good for me is good for you, the golden rule, right? Um, I want for you what I want for me, the same thing in all cases at all times. And when I talk about audits and receipts, something that I get, that you get, that I get, then people really respond to that because it's inherently fair. And when we talk about counting our votes the way we count our cash. You and I wouldn't leave a pile of cash on a table in an unlocked room. That's bad business practice. That just doesn't make sense. And so why do we do that with our votes? That comes back to the same message. When we count our votes the way we count our cash, we're finally going to get the elections that we deserve. And we can do this because integrity never needs to hide. I don't know if I just lost you there or uh, right there uh, talking to Jeff Maher, a libertarian candidate for secretary of state. Um, how does one in your position, libertarian party, third party, how do you overcome the idea of people voting, you know, a straight party ticket? You know, they vote down down the line. What has been your real selling point uh, to Hoosiers about why not to do that? Sure. So let me just finish up that last thought. I apologize if I got cut off. When we count our votes the way we count cash, we'll finally get the elections that we deserve. And we do this because integrity never needs to hide. That's the message that common sense Hoosiers come forward to and hear and understand and get excited about. And that ties in with how do we get a third party elected or how do we get people to vote for a third party? And so when our neighbors are hearing this message about audits and receipts and counting our votes like cash, they understand what's in it for them. They understand the benefit they will get. They understand there's more to gain by voting for who they want or something they want rather than more of what they don't want. And, Tony, we have to talk about what's changed in the last 24 hours because this is really important. The entire election just changed in the last day. With recent reporting from Indy Star, it's clear that my Republican opponent has either committed uh, election fraud or voter fraud, rather, or tax fraud. In 2018, he voted from an address that was not his permanent address or permanent residence that he used for a tax credit, for a homestead credit. And so 
Uh, the statute of limitations on this is five years, so uh, he's still uh, available to be, to be guilty for it or found guilty for it. And we have a lot of precedent for this in terms of Charlie White. And what we have, Jeff, I'm going to interrupt you right there, just uh, this connection. We have an allegation about Diego Morales that came from the Indy Star. We do not have uh, any charges uh, against him, uh, and we aren't going to be getting into the uh, accusing people of guilt or declaring people guilty until we know more. I have no problem, though with an investigation uh, taking place. Uh, Jeff Marr, I do appreciate you taking the time. Sorry for uh, your connection there. Yes, connection pretty much stunk right there, cut out a few times. Jeff Marr, Marr for Indiana.com. I do appreciate him being on. He's never been afraid uh, to come on the show, and I think that that is uh, terrific. And uh, uh, the, the allegation conversation regarding Diego Morales about the voting, uh, as as we've discussed, I discussed it on the morning show as well. My whole point was, there's an allegation. This comes from the Indy Star, and and I'm not saying no to it. I'm not saying there can't be an investigation of it. I'm not a going. I'm not going to go about declaring someone guilty because of an Indy Star allegation. That's that's not enough. You need you need more than that. That's that's my point. So anybody's like, oh, he's defending Diego Morales, and then of course the other side, oh, he's not defending Diego Morales enough. It's, ah, oh, it's precious, I tell you. It is absolutely, positively precious. Uh, but I, I will say uh, about Jeff Maurer, and I have not said this until now, I have found that his answers to questions, his forthrightness has been very impressive. Refreshing uh, I think is also a way to go about it. I, I really do think that he has established himself as a solid candidate, and I think he has been very, very good for the Libertarian Party. And I, I would I would argue that he is somebody that the party should be saying, okay, how do we more invest in him and more cultivate? What do I think is going to happen in the Secretary of State race? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know um, that Destiny Wells refused to come on the show. Refused to come on the show. Um, I Some people are going to say that says a lot. Some people who are already voting for her aren't going to care at all. I shouldn't go on with that, Tony Katz. And, uh, I don't know that's going to move anybody, is, 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 is my point. But Maurer certainly hasn't been afraid. Does he steal votes from the Republican slate, specifically uh, Diego Morales? I'm going to argue, not in percentages, but in concept, the answer is yes. And if he had actual money behind him, he could have stolen a whole lot more. Now, maybe I'll wake up uh, after Election Day and he's the new Secretary of State and I'll be like, son of a gun. I don't have anything as of now that shows me he has that much supplanted Diego Morales or the idea of people who are just going to vote straight Republican in this election. I have absolutely nothing, zero, that would show me that. I also have nothing that shows me as of yet other than straight anecdotal evidence that people aren't going to vote uh, in, in the main, in, in a state like Indiana, for Diego Morales. The things that you hear in Indianapolis are not necessarily the things being said in Fort Wayne. 
or South Bend or Southern Indiana or out to the West. The point is people get wrapped up in the idea of what Indianapolis is thinking, what what Central Indiana is thinking. It's not indicative of the state. You're talking about a statewide race. I've seen nothing that shows me a real uh, attraction to Destiny Wells. I've seen nothing that shows me a sustained dissatisfaction with Diego Morales. Now, that's why you have the election, of course. I mean, that, that, that's, that's why we do that. That's why, you play the, that's why you play the game. Someone's got to win and someone's got to lose. I, uh, I, I think Diego Morales has made serious missteps. I think the Republican Party has well in dealing with Diego Morales. Serious, serious missteps. I don't know if that will, in a state like Indiana, lead to defeat. I, I, have, I have no reason to believe that at this stage of the game. I do think libertarians have a strong candidate in Jeff Marr. I do. I, I, I do, and if they, if they work to cultivate him, I think they've got a, a serious opportunity ahead. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I should go on the record with what I think is going to happen in this election. I, sh- I should place down my marker. It's not usually the thing I do. You let the election happen and you see how it plays out. But you got you got to play the game a little. You got to play the game a little. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Good to be with you. What do I think is going to happen? Well, the House is a Republican pickup. There will be a Republican Speaker of the House. I assume it'll be Kevin McCarthy. But honestly, I- I'm not totally sold on that because I hear that people are not happy with Kevin McCarthy at all. I just can't imagine that there's going to really be a leadership fight if the Republicans should take hold, and I believe that Republicans will take hold. It's the Senate question. Will the Senate fall into Republican hands? So let me start with the basic. Yes. Republicans will have at least 51 seats. The Democrats, with two years of a Democratic president, Democratic Senate, Democratic House, could not hold. Now, in, traditionally, those things happen, but this is going to be some big movement, and I'm very happy to see Joe Biden having a future of being completely stymied. And maybe it'll allow him to push away from the progressives that have been so controlling him and dominating him over the last couple of years. But what are the seats that are going to get picked up by Republicans? So I I argue we're we're talking about pickups, not holds. Remember, North Carolina, if Ted Budd wins, that's a hold. If if J.D. Vance wins, that's a a hold because it's Rob Portman, the Republican, who who is uh, not running for re-election. Rubio winning, that's a hold. Same thing with Ron Johnson in Wisconsin against Mandela Barnes. So even, even Pennsylvania, the Oz Fetterman race, that's a hold. It's Pat Toomey who's not running for re-election. So... If Oz wins and he's in the lead now with polling, that's a Republican hold. So where do I think this is? Of course, New Hampshire, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. I I think that the issue there is is three out of four. I don't see why it isn't four out of four though. But I'm not, I get what people are telling me about New Hampshire and Arizona, but I can go sometimes either way on either one. Those should be four Republican pickups, but I'm gonna go with three out of four. I'm, for whatever reason, I'm not totally sold on Arizona, and I should be, but I'm just not. And maybe I'll be different on Monday. 
We'll see what the weekend brings. Follow everything, TonyCats.locals.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.